called Strong and Courageous, and it's uh, got, got some fans. It's, it's the story of the Israelites, a nation of people being miraculously delivered from slavery, aligned in covenant with God throughout their wilderness time, and receiving their new life of rest as they move in now and take the land that God promised to them. And you know, this is our story as well, by the way. You know, salvation from when we were slaves to sin and then redemption and new life with Christ and, and taking that new life, quite frankly, that God take, told us to take. But within the story of Israel, uh, there are many small revelations and, and lessons for us. And uh, I've been learning some, and I hope you have too. In week one, we started with Joshua's preparation. You know, as Moses' assistant and, and his, his preparation for leadership under his mentorship, Joshua knew what was coming, but... He chose faith over fear and, and, and embraced that leadership plan, that challenge that God had for him. And then in week two, he looked at the moment when God commanded the Israelites, you know what, you're going to move out. It's time to move out. And we kind of looked at, well, what, what's our command right now from God? And it's the same thing, move out, go into all the world. We're going to skip over, um, that was chapter one in Joshua. We're going to skip over chapter two, but I invite you to read that at home. It's a really good story of um, Rahab and spies and uh, all sorts of things. So I invite you to do that and, um, you know, trust God to reveal something to you and write down some observations if you can. And that's how I put the sermons together, by the way. (laughs) Read the Bible and write observations. It's not actually rocket science. But let's turn to chapter 3 today. We're going to actually read all of chapter 3. I hope you're excited about that. Good. Early the next morning, Joshua... And all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. You know, I may be reading more into this than there is, but something kind of stood out to me in this paragraph because there's been at least 40 years of wandering, you know, not including the time at Sinai and coming out of Egypt and stuff like that. There was uh, this transition of leadership, clear commands from God that we read about last week that you're going to go, now's your time, you have to go. You know, there were spies sent out and all these things happened. They moved to the banks ready to go, and then they stopped for three more days. You know, they have a little camp on the banks of the river, and, and I wondered why. This is the way I work. My brain's a little bit weird like this, because, I mean, there might be a very practical reason. You know, the writer of Joshua might have been Joshua, could have been someone else, didn't. They didn't know the reason, or perhaps they just thought, well, it's not even that important. I'm not even going to put it in there. But I wonder if there's just something in this little thing about stopping for three days after you've been told to go, you know, on the the banks of the river. 
because it kind of reminds me a little bit of my own journey of ministry and others that I read about and, and talk to. So my, here's, here's what I want you to hear today. First point is that we need to slow down for God's timing. This may or not... Oh, it was a good point after all. <laughs> this may or may not have been the, the point the author wanted us to know, but it is actually a good lesson that I want you to hear today. Because sometimes we're, we're in too much of a rush to cross over. You know, there's, there's something God's given us to do or there's an obstacle and we're like, we're going to clear that obstacle, we're going to get there, we're going to get there, we're going to do it. When God wants us to slow down, stay close to him, hear his voice and wait for his timing. And I think sometimes God is wanting us just to camp out on the river, you know, so to speak. So that we can align with his thinking because my experience has been that aligning with God's plan, you know, before I move forward is always the best way to go forward. It's the most productive way. It's the most fruitful way. It's also the way that stops us from going down the wrong path. Ever been down the wrong path? I wonder why, I wonder if we had stopped and camped out, if you know what I mean, just for a little while, if we wouldn't have done that. You know, we're talking about building a new building. Let me use that as an example. You know, two and a half years ago, kids' ministry is growing, we run out of space, I'm ready. Let's build something. It can be a shed out the side here. You know, it, it, we could have done that. It'd be done by now, wouldn't it? Be all done, probably even paid for. And, but you know what? We would have missed something because it turned out that God had a better plan. You know, with, here we are two and a half years later about to start something that's more forward thinking, more ambitious and provides more spaces for the ministries that we do and that we want to do and that we plan to do as we go forward. And God ordered our steps every step of the way. His timing not mine. It's hard to wait sometimes, but I thank God for it. I'm not advocating for permanently standing still or being lazy or inwards focused in this point. Don't, don't hear me wrong on this. You know, as we said last week, it's pretty easy to just hang out on the plains of Moab where it's really comfortable and you don't have to go any further where it's scary, right? I'm advocating for God's timing. If you're here today and you're training for ministry, can I just say it's a long journey? Yeah. It's a long journey. God has to prepare us, though. The disciples had to wait. And they had the best teacher that you could possibly imagine. And he still made them wait three years. Joshua, I mean, Moses would have been a pretty good teacher. You'd have to just assume that, wouldn't you? He had to wait 40 years for his chance to lead. God has told us, God has to hold us and teach us valuable lessons. Otherwise, we'll fall at the first obstacle. For the Israelites, they faced this huge obstacle. In fact, which is the Jordan, right? The very day they move out, bam, big obstacle in their way. The river, the Jordan River was full to capacity. We're going to read that soon. And a whole nation had to cross. Sometimes, you know, we've got uh, just some Sunday school thinking about these stories you have to imagine hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of people have to cross that river. Imagine the logistics of that. And the thing is flooded, right? Not just the warriors had to go across all the families and their possessions from 10 of the 12 tribes. So trust me on this. This is what happens. Obstacles come. As soon as God says go, obstacles come. We think that following God's way is going to be easy. If I'm in God's will... Everything's going to align 
falling. This is what we think or we hope anyway, you know. It's going to be smooth going. God's just going to clear that obstacle, clear that obstacle. It'll be a nice, straight, um, beautifully paved road, slightly downhill (laughs) with rest stops every few weeks, right? That's what happens when we follow God's will, doesn't it? No. It was the answer. (laughs) I know you want to affirm it with yeses, but no was the answer. When God calls you to go, or when he calls the church to go, which he has, we're going to have obstacles. Immediately even. You know, someone offends you or puts you down or tells you you're not good enough, or or, maybe the obstacle is myself. I'm not good enough. That can become the obstacle. You know, or as a church... We tell ourselves, we're, we're not good enough to do what God's called us to do. We're too small. We don't have enough money. We, maybe we lack some gifts. We don't have the resources. feels kind of too hard. Maybe an unexpected crisis comes our way. There will always be an obstacle. God says, slow down, camp out, look for my timing, look for his way. So they're faced with this obstacle. They're before the river So what did God ask them to do next? We'll go to verse 5 now. Joshua told the people, purify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. So here's my second point for today. Prioritize holiness before service. You know, what I mean by that is get right with God before you move out. God wants you, he wants you over your service. Or above your service. Our acts of service are hollow if we're not living obedient, God-honoring lives. In fact, it's it's more than that. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Here's what the author said. Let us strip off every weight that slows slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So as we step out in faith, let there be nothing that hinders us, is what the author is saying. I think that that's what Joshua was saying too. And let's purify ourselves. Let's get right with God before we, we move off. Because sin does hinder us. Doesn't it? If we want to achieve the plan that God has laid out for us, why wouldn't we be in the best spiritual shape possible? We're just setting ourselves up for failure if God isn't the center of our life and our focus is in the wrong place. Or if we have secret or or, or not so secret sin in our life, I promise that will knock us off track. You know, maybe not immediately, but eventually. Back in Numbers, Moses, he had this warning for the Israelites. And you'll be familiar with this verse. He said, uh, beware, your sins will find you out. You know, I don't think he's just talking about the fact that God's going to know about it, because he does. But they do. there's a consequence that eventually comes back to us eventually when we do the wrong thing. It's never worth it. I mentioned last week the story of, the real sad story of, of, of Ravi Zacharias and the, the things that, now that he's passed away, it's sad. He's being found out in a way, you know. If you don't know that story, you can look it up, but... Eventually, they come, your sins will find you out. Joshua knew the task ahead of them was huge, so the very first thing they do is they, uh, before they step off the riverbank is get right with God. 
purification ceremony. In other words, they made sure there was nothing between them and the Lord. And the application for us is the same. If, if we're to be effective in a healthy church, let's rid the sin from our lives so that nothing will hold this church back or trip us up. When churches fall or fail to accomplish their mission, you can be sure that there's something going on somewhere. There's a sin somewhere. The, the priorities are wrong. The priority of holiness and Jesus first, you know, maybe that's been diminished. Because as followers of Jesus, you know, we're called to live this holy life. You know, we live with the highest level of integrity and honesty, even though sometimes in, in the world that we live in, it costs us. When we have to have integrity and honesty, it can cost us. We don't, we don't do cheating or stealing or taking advantage or lying or exaggerating or gossiping or slander. Um, you know, greed or, or selfishness shouldn't be part of who we are. We don't hoard things while others are in need. We don't use bad language. Did you know that that's actually, that's in the word too. God says, be careful of your language. No anger or aggressiveness, including passive aggressiveness, no arrogance or pride. Uh, being careful uh, about or, or living according to God's plan for sexuality. No judging or condemning others, you know, like the Pharisees did. No saying, no saying no to God's leading and prompting in our life. Because when we, really, if God says to go somewhere or do something and we don't, we're disobeying him. No stirring up divisions or grasping for power. No holding back forgiveness when someone's done something wrong by us. No quenching of the spirit. And, and I could go on. No sin in the church. No sin in the camp, you know, because sin hinders us. Instead, let's constantly humble ourselves before God and seek his face. Let's relentlessly pursue holiness and live spirit-filled lives. And we know when we're living spirit-filled lives because there is fruit of the spirit. If you want to know what those fruit are, you can look them up in Galatians. Is there any sin in the church we need to throw off so as not to hinder God's plan for us and for his church? That's the question I'm asking us today. And I ask each of us individually to consecrate ourselves before God. I ask us collectively to be a church that walks in the ways of Jesus. Here's point three for today. God's ways are different to the world's ways. I know you know that. It's true that the church has been able to glean uh, you know, a lot of lessons from the business and corporate world to help our churches run well. But I've noted that you can get so caught up looking for the latest organizational and leadership development programs that we lose sight of the fact that what we're doing is actually spiritual first and foremost. So watch how Israel overcame their first obstacle. Verse 6. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and they went ahead of the people. And the Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make a great leader, great, make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you, just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God said. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Gergesites, Amorites, and Jebusites ahead of you. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, 
will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. I mean, I'm making a point here that God's ways aren't the world's ways. Can you show me an army that would approach a river like that and that's how they would cross? You know, wouldn't all the, all the, uh, the army engineers be, be working out a pontoon system or something like that or, or working out a better place that they could cross over? That's what most of the armies of the, of the world would do. But God's ways are not our ways. God basically said, follow me right into that big obstacle in front of you. I mean, that's trust, isn't it? And the church should always remember this. We're, we're in a spiritual battle. The battle belongs to God, and so this, we've been singing about it every week, haven't we? So the central focus of our efforts is actually spiritual, God's way first. Our churches should not actually feel like corporate organizations. They should be spiritual. That's what they should feel like when people come to them. If we can't tell the difference between a church and a business or an RSL or a football club, there's something very wrong. Well, those organizations are good, by the way. But there's something different about the church. The Israelites faithfully followed God right into a flooded river, and he did a miracle. And You know, I, I, I love to learn how to be a good leader, by the way. You know me. You know I, I read the books. I go to the seminars. I love learning how to uh, run the church more efficiently into a high standard, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think it honors God, but... Even in those things, we keep Jesus at the center of it all. And if we do that, it will always look different to the way the world does things. You know, we see God in all of our big decisions. You know, in our own board meetings, just so you know, we pray our way through those meetings. We pray our way through. When we, when we come across something, uh, we, said, we need to pray for this. We're going to be praying about it. You know, when Emma joined us last year, she said, this is one thing I noticed is you guys pray a lot. Praise God for that. We seek his direction. We pray with expectation that God will overcome our obstacles because we've attentively listened to his calling and direction, which leads me to my last point, which is exactly that. Expect God to take care of the obstacles. We're a people of faith, yeah? So we expect God is going to clear or, or, or overcome the obstacles if we're following his will, his way. But in my experience, it's almost always in a way we don't expect. Which was my previous point. Let me go to verse 14. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season. The Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above the point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam which is near Zarathon. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. And all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Let's hope they took it in turns and rotated and had shifts. <laughs> this is the second time God has held back the waters for the Israelites, hasn't he? To past 
into safety. The first time they're being saved from, the, saved from their Egyptian captors and delivered into the wilderness, and then this time is out of the wilderness and into the promised new life with God as their king. So here's the truth. I've already said it. You will face obstacles, even when you're in the middle of God's will. The lesson or the reminder from God today is that you can trust him with those obstacles. Because if you're on the path God called you to, he will find a way. He will, he will clear them. He will make a way for you to go through, or over, or under, or around, whatever it is. Sometimes we just need to wait on his timing, keep God at the center, you know, throw off the things that are hindering us, look to God for his solution, and trust that he will make the way. Even when he doesn't feel like there, or you don't feel like there is a way. I guess the point I want to say today is expect it. Expect God to clear the obstacles if it's his plan, he will make a way. Now, you might be forgiven if you think this kind of miracle or answer to an obstacle is a one-off. It's pretty good, Nathan, that those Old Testament stories. I don't think they're for today, though. I just think that you would be wrong. There is actually a person watching online today who experienced almost this very miracle as he obediently followed God's calling into the jungles of Papua New Guinea. And I'm going to tell it to you, who's keen? Yeah, I'm kind of tingly. It was 1956. That's not that long ago, okay? (laughs) Ray Akers, who um, is a member of this church with his wife Gwen, they're online Members now, they, they live in Deception Bay. It's a bit far to drive every Sunday, but they'll be watching us today. Hi, Ray. Hey, Ray and Gwen. <laughs> Parents of Lex, our previous pastor. He was a Bible school teacher at two... So I'm going to just say the names and hope they're right. Tuguru in Papua New Guinea with Yuija, who, who was training to be a pastor. Yawaja. Thank you to those who have been there. Yawaja. Did I get the name of the place right? Tuguru, Yawaja, I'll try my best. During the term break, the students were required to take the gospel message to a group of people who had never heard it before. This selected people group spoke a different language, and to reach this particular place meant a very long trek over very rough mountains. There was no such thing as a sealed road, and the few tracks that did exist, they were, they were primitive. So Paul... Is, which is his name, was a medical orderly. And he didn't want to go because he knew that this was going to be hard. This was not just rough walking for white people, right? This was rough walking for, for everybody. On the day appointed, they set off down the road, which only took them a few kilometres. And immediately, they encountered a huge obstacle to their mission. In order to get where they were going, they had to cross the Aravi River, which ran through a very steep gorge. A flimsy log is at the lower water level was the only avenue for crossing the river. And as they drew nearer to the bridge, they could hear the roar of the river. When at last they came inside of the river, there was no sign of the log bridge. It was completely covered by raging floodwaters. With the force of the raging water, there was no chance that this, this flimsy log bridge would still be intact. Paul was happy. <laughs> Yawaja was disappointed. They sat down and Yawaja began to pray. 
You pray, God, you know that every time we come to take the gospel to these people, something always seems to prevent us. But you are the same God who opened the Red Sea for the Israelites. You can open this water so we can cross and take the gospel to the people. Then he stood up and he threw a stick into the water. And nothing happened. (laughs) So they sat and they waited and they talked. But then a, a few minutes later, something very strange happened. As they were sitting there, suddenly they realized they couldn't really hear the noise of the raging river anymore. It had gone quiet. So they got up and looked, and from where they were standing, they they saw that the river had actually dropped several meters, and it kept dropping to almost nothing. So God had heard the prayer and seen the faith of Yahweh. This is a miracle. The flooding had subsided, but the greatest miracle of all was that the log bridge was still there. Paul, who had so reluctantly came on this journey, he ran across the bridge shouting, I believe. God had opened the way for the gospel to be taken to the people who had never heard. And that was the story that Ray sent me yesterday. But then he, he sent me a, a little follow-up. Because the, the story didn't quite end there. Just in case you think they got there right as the floodwaters subsided. Nice coincidence. Let's thank God for that, but it's a coincidence. After, here's what he said. After we crossed over, we could hear the roar of the river recommence, and from the top of the cliff we watched as the water swept down the gorge and it completely destroyed the bridge we had just crossed over on. It's really hard to make it out there. You might see it better on the TVs, but that's the, the, the pole bridge, the, the log bridge that they had to cross over on. Just in case you think this is a story made up. Do you think God is interested in making a way to fulfill his plans for you and his kingdom? Do you think he's interested? You will hit the obstacles, that's a guarantee, but God is keenly interested in seeing his mission completed. This is what we've got to keep in mind. God wants us to fulfill his mission for us. Let's embrace that in faith. You will hit the obstacles, but God is there. He will clear the obstacles away. What I want us to do today is to follow the, the same uh, pattern as the Israelites. I want us to um, just spend a, a minute just quietly reflecting and listening to God. I want us to purify ourselves. So I want you to actually spend some time. You know, if you need to confess and repent, why not today? Get right with God. And maybe we need to do that as a church. The third thing is let's look for God's way because it's going to be different to the world's way. You know, it'll be different. And the last one is expect God to make the way in faith. So would you stand with me? One of the great things when we hear stories of God's miraculous work is it actually ignites our faith. And as we heard the story from Ray this morning and, and, his, and the guys that he was with, I hope something inside of you actually came alive a little bit. You know, um, 
it's the same thing that God said to Joshua. He said, today I'm going to show people you know, that you're going to be a great leader. And, and there was a miracle that was done. And, and so you know, it ignited the faith of the Israelites and they crossed over and they did everything that God needed them to do. So this morning I, wanna, I want you to... Um, I want to use the words tap in to that miraculous story that you heard and let that build your faith in you and let it build the faith in us as a church as we consider what God is calling us to do in this part of Brisbane to bring the good news to many, many people. So we'll take a moment. Let's follow the same pattern and just spend a moment with the Lord. It's quiet in here, it's okay. Just spend a moment with God. Now I invite you, what is it that you need to confess to the Lord this morning? What is it that you need to repent of? Get right with God now. Lord, this morning we, we choose to follow you and your way, not our way, God. So I ask you to show us your way. Reveal yourself to us this morning. Lord, speak to us, please. Speak to each person here. We're listening, God. Lord, we bring to you the things that are stopping us, that are obstacles, and we, we pray now in faith, expecting that you will show us, that you will clear, clear, us, clear that away, that, Lord, that you will um, show us how to overcome. And as a church, God, we do this corporately now. as we continue to move out in faith. In the name of Jesus.